Ooh, hello and welcome back to We Are Movies. Uh, it's me, Johnny Mockney. Um, and I, I'm happy to tell you that'll be the second to last time you hear me do the, the spooky voice on the show, this year at least, until until the next uh, Halloween season. Um On Halloween Day, you will hear a big Halloween special episode with a couple of guests. Uh, But today, I'm slipping in on a Friday, uh, the penultimate episode of this season, and uh, a really good one. One of my favorites I've done, and that's because my guest today is a good friend of mine. He's been on once before, talking about Blue Velvet, and that is Austin DeReet. Uh, Austin is a huge movie buff. Uh, We talk about movies all the time. It's literally, like, probably... 95% of the things that we talk about and um, every now and then we'll uh, you know get it on tape (laughs) so uh, in this case we talked about some films that I think are pretty near and dear to Austin's heart Uh, movies that I I, I have a liking for an affection for I guess but also some very complicated feelings about as well Um, and so we had a really fun conversation. We talked about uh, the Firefly trilogy, an infamous trilogy by writer-director Rob Zombie, um, which I believe this is the first time we've ever talked about a Rob Zombie movie on this podcast. Uh, probably won't be the last, but uh, here it is. And uh, we, the trilogy of films, and for those of you who are unaware, are uh, three movies, House of, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell, uh, which all follow the same group of characters, uh, you know, follow each other in the storyline. Um, they're, you know, loose sequels to each other. And um, th- yeah, it goes without saying, if you're familiar with those movies, we're obviously going to have to discuss a couple of sensitive topics, just considering the, you know, the violent, uh, dirty nature of those movies. So obvious warning for some of the stuff you'll hear us talk about but uh, we had a whole lot of fun and i hope you have fun listening to it so without any further ado please enjoy uh this very rock and roll episode of we are movies i just said we're serious podcasters off air right before we started which was funny yeah, That's a funny idea that <laughs> <laughs> this isn't. A, this is a very serious podcast. This mm-hmm. is a fancy podcast. <laughs> it's a fancy podcast. It's like the f- restaurant for Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah, this is a fancy <laughs> podcast. This is. A, this is. A <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I so I think I decided long ago that it's not, uh, and there's no going back. Um, I could have been. It could have been. There's an alternate universe where this is like a film spotting. <laughs> oh yeah, the, something classy. This is a uh, um, Mark Kermode and uh, oh yeah, uh, Mark Kermode, yeah. Jonathan Rosenbaum. No, instead it's like it's closer to like a, a Paul Shear podcast. A Paul Shear, <laughs> some crap like that. <laughs> just a bunch of body bros. Just uh, it really depends on the episode. Um, I, I think I think Austin, you're a you're a middle ground sort of. Okay. Between yeah. I don't know if you feel comfortable with that with that label. I but, feel comfortable. Okay. I feel, I'm, I, whatever, I feel like more, you have probably have a better accurate depiction of me than I do of myself sometimes. Wow. Or everyone, you know what I mean? That's very mature of yourself to, to, <laughs> to, to honestly, to, to be like, oh, yeah, you, have, you might know me better than I do. That's, yeah. 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 Or oh, there's different perspectives of knowing each other. Well, I'm glad I brought you here because I tricked you into thinking this is a movie podcast, but we're actually going to be psychoanalyzing you today. Um, 
Well, the mics aren't even on. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, okay. this is this is going to be fun. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> um, so um, we're doing a spooky episode. Yeah, it's been a, we've been talking about doing this for a couple of years. I mm-hmm. think we we're, had. Yeah, we're planning last Halloween, and we didn't. We weren't able to get around to it, but we're finally doing it. Um, we had floated movies we want to do, and, and I think you're a fascinating person because you, you, you have such a, you know, you're such a polite guy and you have such a sort of a conservative demeanor uh at least i don't know at least on the offset like you can be silly obviously yeah and everything but then uh the movies you watch like some of the movies you watch some of the movies you've watched since you were like 12 are like insane (laughs) stuff that uh it would take me i'd have to get to know somebody quite a bit before i told them i've watched these movies like (laughs) so i guess i want to ask because the movies we're talking about today, the, the Firefly trilogy, they are like sort of Rob Zombie's homage to, in a lot of ways, to exploitation movies that he watched, you know, when he was younger. Uh, what was your first foray into like getting into sort of trash cinema? And I say that affectionately, but like mm-hmm. trash cinema and exploitation films and stuff like that. I, I know it goes back quite a ways, but like, where do you think it starts for you? I would say. Probably just in general, the interest in horror movies at a young age, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was like movies like The Shining, which could be considered, you know, higher horror, I guess, you know, in terms of like right. how we scale different things, like. Or The Exorcist or something like that. Like kind of, exactly, yeah. 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 I think. Um, the distinction between what was high and low didn't connect with me till much later until someone told me this was what high art is and this is what low art is. Like okay. it just was all kind of the same. Okay. That's um, interesting. So did you, I mean, did you come into any of these, cause you had to have discovered these titles. Like I, we've watched together your old YouTube channel from a right. kid. Yeah. And you, you were like, what, 12, 13? Yeah. And you're yeah. talking about, you know, like, uh, uh, I drink your blood <laughs> and right. things like that. Uh, and it's like, did, did you come to that through, I know a lot of us, sometimes we start with people who are inspired like by that. Like you start with like Quentin Tarantino and then you look up movies that he watched. Was that kind of how you got to titles like that? Definitely. Yeah. 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 I would say Quentin Tarantino was a huge, the sole <laughs> like origin of getting into that like yeah. direction, which I'm assuming a lot of, film fans are um he's a gateway drug yeah a lot of people (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah like that um and even um my brother um was also really into horror movies as well at a young age and um he liked kind of like science fiction movies with monsters in them and i remember uh, I heard about Mars Attacks mm. from him. And that was kind of like the f- a homage to like the 1950s. Uh, Flying saucer movies. Right, yeah, like yeah. the Ray Harryhausen, like uh, alien like uh, movies and stuff or like the Atomic Age, you know, like those. Uh, right. Um, and it just, I, like, I think that's what I mean when I... Uh, 
like a lot of like those the movie Mars Attacks is inspired by a lot of like those kind of uh, cheap sci-fi B movies, which um, it didn't quite occur to me like that was what a B movie kind of was. It just kind of was like this is what you're into, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of like what I was trying to get at with uh, initially when you asked me that first question. Um, yeah, but um, uh. So, like, a lot of it just was, like, getting into, like, certain things that kids are into, like, aliens and monsters and, um, like, in the Universal movies, like, Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. The monster movies and, like, the Wolfman and, like, um, and being Halloween, kind of like that, having that, the activity of being able to become something else is the fun aspect of that and where it started from i think yeah um putting a mask on exactly so it kind of like it like whether it was it it just kind of snowballed from that point on and um um i i would watch um on tv like movies on sci the sci-fi channel or like amc or like uh the fear fest movie like the the fear fest marathon when they would show horror films and um that's kind of where it started from i would say okay yeah i i mean that's a great i'm so thankful to those types of things like uh tv programmers and horror hosts and stuff like that like the uh the elvira's and joe bob briggs's of the world (laughs) too and uh, even so, like somebody like Cinemassacre on YouTube, which I know you watched a lot growing up. Yeah. Still do. Yeah. Uh, he owes so much to also those people as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's another guy that I think when you're talking about monsters, got us into like a lot of the, like all the monster movies, like the Universal and the Hammer films and stuff like that. Um, now, specifically with the movies we're talking about today, I, I feel like this is Rob Zombie's kind of you know, homage to, well, I, I think House of Thousand Corpses stands out from the bunch a little bit, but in general, the trilogy is a bit of an homage to, you know, those like sort of backwoods exploitation movies like a uh, Last House on the Left or, um, I guess the Hills Have Eyes or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, were you, when you first watched, did, uh, did was House of Thousand Corpses the first one you saw of these three? Yes. Okay. Yes. When you first saw that, were you already kind of well versed in that subgenre or not yet? Not particularly. Like, I mean, I'm always still learning about it, but it, I would say a lot of it, how I was kind of first introduced to those kind of movies was through, like you said, Cinemassacre or mm-hmm. um, through TV specials like the Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments yeah. a, a program. Um, or like, um, the, uh, 30, there's just another one that had like Eli Roth, um, Mark Kermode, Rob Zombie was in there being interviewed and like, uh, Keith Gordon and like all the, um, just like a bunch of like actors from those films, like, uh, being interviewed and like, I think it was like James Wan was being interviewed and whatnot. And that was, um. That's kind of how I got introduced to like putting a face to the name yeah. and who who they were, 
and um, some of their movies were featured in like the moments. Isn't it fascinating when you like watch these movies and then you see a director talk about them and it's never like the guy you think it's going to be? Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> they're all so like, and it makes sense because yeah. they're all like nerds. <clears throat> yeah. You know, obviously. Like you think about it, you're like obviously they're nerds, but you watch this movie and you're like, this guy's probably insane. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like even um, I had no idea, but like even Pam from The Office is Jenna in Fisher. one of yeah Jenna Fisher. She's in one of like. The epis the programs of the scarier movie moments. Really? Ones. Yeah, and yeah. she's. I had no idea who she was or anything, but I guess she was at the time she was married to James Gunn. I think, and I think their really? Slither was on the list oh, of okay. like movies that were uh, uh, talked about and whatnot. Well, and James Gunn's a great. There's a category <laughs> of filmmakers that are all like these sort of. I don't want to call them prestige, but like well-known filmmakers. That all are also like cinephiles, but also but particularly in trash, you know. Right. Like exactly. Tarantino. Tarantino's kind of a widespread guy. He knows everything. Like, you know, obviously some of his movies are influenced by like the French New Wave and all that stuff. But he's he's a guy who loves his seventies exploitation. And I, uh, you know, there's like you could put James Gunn on that list for sure, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Eli Roth, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rob Zombie. Uh, what I really love about Rob Zombie, and, and full disclosure, I'm, I'm one of those guys, like, I've seen every Rob Zombie film. I appreciate him. I think he seems like a cool guy. I love, uh, I especially love his taste in movies. Like, the fact that he kind of has this adoration for all horror, because he is, like, we, we watched The Munsters together yeah. recently. Yeah. Uh, and he clearly <laughs> loves, like, kitschy 50s monsters and, you know, this silly stuff. But then also loves, you know, grimy grindhouse movies at the same time. Oh yeah, and and it's kind of refreshing, I think, for us to see somebody who also just appreciates that whole wide range of those films too. Exactly. Yeah, and it kind of shows he has somewhat versatility in his style. Yes, <laughs> which <laughs> like because uh, most of his movies seem to be. A lot of yelling and uncouth people just, you know, swearing at each other. And like... Right. Well, and people, uh, I mean, point to, uh, obviously, the famous music video for Living Dead Girl is uh, an homage to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Like, yeah. You yeah. know, so like, right off the bat, that shows like a very clear understanding of the history of the genre uh, and just the different extents it goes to. And, and I think House of Thousand Corpses, which at the time this movie came out, Rob Zombie was already... Uh, an established musician people knew his name right like like when this movie came out it was like oh rob zombie's making a movie this mm -hmm. is an interesting pivot you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and i when i watched it again recently i i see this as like this was like if he only got to make one movie he had to put everything he loved in one movie and that's what house of thousand corpses kind of feels like do you feel that way kind of yeah I, I i agree especially because it's his first movie yeah, and it's uh, it seems like he's kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink, seeing what works and what doesn't work, and yes, um, <laughs> and committing to all of it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because it's um, it's it's such a bizarre movie too. Like, uh, because it's um, uh, it's backed by a you know a uh, Lionsgate, I think mm -hmm. it, it was, yeah, or. Um, After it was dropped, I think, by a different company. I think it was dropped by, like, 
a bigger company, like Universal or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had already filmed most of the movie. He had to buy his footage back. And he filmed other stuff that he added to the movie that a lot of it was just filmed on, like, 16mm at home. Right. I heard that, which is wild. Like, (laughs) it's, you know, say whatever you want about Rob Zombie or this movie. It's a passion project through and through. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, like, that's that's exactly, like, you stated it perfectly. It's, like, no matter what, he puts his heart and soul into, like, everything. At least you like to think he does. But it's, like, (laughs) he does really put a lot of him like himself like uh in his movies and that's in one um, way literally because he likes making characters that look like him yeah <laughs> every man in a rob zombie movie looks like rob zombie right they all have long hair and a beard <laughs> <laughs> they, they really do yeah. each, each person yeah. is just somewhat a it's like he's kind of like woody allen in that way or he's like yeah <laughs> if woody allen's not in the movie the guy the main guy's going to be woody allen somehow. it's just owen wilson doing a woody allen impression or something. but uh, uh rob zombie uh he obviously hellbilly deluxe his famous album right a lot of people use hellbilly to describe his style as a filmmaker right. they're all about hillbillies and they're always movies that seem like they're from hell and house of a thousand corpses is a like this is the type of thing that i think if you show it to the wrong person they're going to call this movie demonic like, yeah, it, yeah it feels like the film itself is infested by yeah. by a demon yeah. it's um but so i gotta take it back to like when you first saw this at a young age what was your first impression of it what did you think so i saw the copy of the dvd copy at blockbuster Mm. and i think i also saw devil's rejects there too um i never well i never obviously didn't rent it because i was too young at the time right um but i always just seeing that image of it just says house of a thousand corpses and it's just like some what looks like a mutilated face or like someone's face where the skin must have been like I don't, like it. Just looks like someone's. Just, it's a messed up face. Yeah, messed up face. Yeah. <laughs> like it kind of reminded yeah. me of the Castle Freak poster a little bit too. It's a little similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is is that Castle Freak? What's um? That's a God. That's a Charles Char- Band like Empire Pictures or Full Moon. Oh, movie. gotcha. Okay, yeah. But another yeah. one like Charles Band. He had the horror market down and you're the prime audience for this because it was like <laughs> horror movies yeah. are sold by the box right it's sold yeah. by what's on the cover exactly. and everyone loved going to the horror section of a blockbuster or family video or whatever because it always had the best art like exactly that's that's even like i saw puppet master versus demonic toys i think that was the title <laughs> a classic yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. i'm like oh the title like anything with verses in the title just seemed like right it would be like, oh, this is a cool movie. This is yeah. <laughs> Alien versus Predator or Alien Freddy versus, versus Jason. Uh, uh, Doll Man versus <clears throat> Ginger Dead Man. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Like these bizarre titles. And... Um, so this is a movie when I watched it when I was like 15. I hated it. Um, yeah. And I, and I yeah, came yeah. into it wanting to. And, and I think it's like I'd, I'd been a little stuffy because I started with like the Tarantino stuff. Right. And everybody I watched that I thought was like Tarantino, I thought was worse. Like I thought Eli Roth was just worse Tarantino, you know? And then I. But then at the same time, it's like Tarantino never committed to doing a full genre movie the way that these guys did. Every Tarantino movie is kind of its own genre. It's all like, well, we're combining all these things I like. Whereas, like, Rob Zombie's unabashedly making insane horror movies. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> House of Thousand Corpses, I just... It associated everything... Everything I associate with Rob Zombie that I don't like. 
yeah. was like prevalent in this movie where it's just so shrill. There's so much screaming. There's not a single likable character in any frame. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I just I I I can't overstate how much I hated it and <laughs> how much I came away from it saying this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, having watched it again recently, I can't say I like it, mm-hmm. but I can point out the things about it that I appreciate, and I can understand why some people do. Um, because I can understand why it's the call following that it does. Because it is such a bizarre movie. It's not a bad movie in the sense that, like, the House of Wax remake is a bad movie. You know? Uh-huh. It's not a cash-in. It's not any of that. It's it's a movie that your entire time I'm thinking about the choices. Right. Every single scene has a hundred ambitious choices. <laughs> and And by the end of it, you're just trying to decipher, like, what was he thinking? <laughs> But it's also, like, that's what's fascinating about it, you know? Like, the worst bad movies are the ones where you know what they were thinking. Right. You're just like, oh, they were just trying to go for a quick buck. They were copying what was big or whatever. Rob Zombie was not making a movie that was marketable here. Like, especially when it came out. Like, I think it was released in the early 2000s. Yeah. This was not... Think about the horror boom that was happening at that time. It was, like, the post-Scream like slasher kind of those young like freddie prince jr slasher movies right uh-huh you know i know what you did last summer and stuff like that and so this doesn't even fit into that trend this, yeah every rob zombie movie that he's ever done from then until now has never been in keeping with whatever trend is happening uh, that's that's very true and that's part of what i really appreciate it but i think like i said this movie more than the other two in the trilogy shows uh his love specifically for monsters and like old horror hosts and stuff like that too. Uh huh. Like the it, the first thing you see is like some old TV footage of like a horror host. Right. You know, it's it coming back to that. I'm gonna put all these things I like in this movie in case it's my last movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just so, just uh, like, like you said with the horror host, it's a huge love letter to that like time period and mm. um i think it just like like kind of in the same way quentin tarantino works where he kind of puts everything that he loves into one movie like it's rob zombie seems similar in that way but it seems like he's just more raw in that way where he's not he doesn't polish things up where he's just very like uh, just kind of like fr- frantic, like yeah. you know, just like messy and chaotic, and especially this one is so heavy on the like. I think the first time I watched it, I was like, "This is like if somebody discovered iMovie for the first time, right?" Yeah, and there's so much, there's <laughs> yeah. so many like you know negative <laughs> shots and like uh, you know like co- like this insane color grading, and sometimes you'll be seeing like a mirror image, like uh, I think about like that first scene when. We're introduced to Sid Haig, who's uh, Captain Spaulding, and he's taking the main characters through like his his little horror maze, and I, uh, and it's like sometimes it's just you see two Sid Haigs for some reason or three, like he's just <laughs> I don't know why you just do, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but that also comes down to the fact like this movie is it's a horror maze, right? It's it's a hundred and it, that's how it originated. Rob Zombie was supposed to create a maze for Universal Studios that was a called a house of a thousand corpses mm-hmm. and they're like they're like no <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah. after like what he was because he was doing just these grotesque things with it and the irony being irony being that many years later they ended up doing a house of a thousand corpses maze based on this movie you know which is uh 
probably yeah. surreal for him. There's a great <laughs> video of him kind of talking about it, going like, yeah, it's kind of weird now. Um, but if you see the movie that way, the movie is 100% amazing because you're going location to location. Right. You have these bizarre little characters that keep popping up, mm-hmm. you know, that chase you. They're all like extreme caricatures you know you think about how annoying sherry moon zombie might be in this movie with her like <laughs> like her, her there's laugh. a lot of that but that's 100 percent. get ready to hear that oh yeah boy oh boy you might be insane like the movie makes you feel insane yeah. by the time you finish it but that's also like those are they everyone's giving a performance as if they are in a, a like a horror maze or a haunted house you know mm. right yeah no absolutely that and that's like even just the actors the veteran actors yes uh, which i know we can that probably we can talk about uh, in greater detail easily um, my favorite thing about rob zombie yeah is his actors and and it's because obviously like tarantino likes to pick out these kind of old character actors from obscurity and every now and then they'll be the lead but mm-hmm. more often than not where i think tarantino kind of shows his cowardice is yeah. it's like yeah i'll put sid haig or a clue Gulager or somebody in like the side like in a, as a small character but at the end of the day, my movie's going to star Leonardo DiCaprio or right, yeah, <laughs> or somebody exactly. like some big star. Whereas like Rob Zombie is one hundred percent like no, the stars in my movie are Sid Haig and Bill Mosley, and and they're getting the meat of the story. They are yeah, he's actually doing a lot with them. Yeah, and, and I respect that so much. And you think about Sid Haig, who had been around for many years, had done all these Jack Hill movies, you know the. Uh, so many like black exploitation films and other exploitation movies and stuff like that and then just like d- had a total career revival with Rob Zombie mm-hmm. and now his most iconic character is the one he plays in this movie you mm-hmm. know at, at a pretty late stage in his life right um, and I and that's all indebted to Rob Zombie okay. yeah yeah no that's and that's honestly how I heard about Sid Haig was or just seeing him in this movie was because uh, he's like even he just that his character captain spaulding is uh is just such a huge icon and horror like just image wise it just for some reason sticks with uh like that the t- 2000s horror like you can't it wouldn't be 2000s horror without captain spaulding you yeah. know like you need if you're going to do like a retrospect on it all like that is like a pivotal kind of character in that uh that whole zeitgeist of 2000s horror movies and yeah and he's uh uh he's just so, he's got an iconic face he's got right. he's a fascinating looking guy right like he's yeah. got one of those faces you're like how do you not put this on camera yeah uh, this guy and 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 obviously the makeup and everything is famous but then his performance i think his the role he plays as this character he's so effortlessly likable like he's such a charming character he's such a goofball but, like, in a way that some of the characters aren't, he never gets grating like mm-hmm. Sherry Moon does or even, like, I think Bill Mosley does sometimes. He's very, like... I the Coming out of the House of Thousand Corpses, my biggest thing was I want more Captain Spaulding. Yeah. Because he is a more minor character in this one. Um, uh, there's that great opening scene with him, and then speaking of great character actors, uh, what's his name? Michael J. Pollard. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, you know, was in, like bonnie and clyde and yeah <laughs> you know all these great films and just has this bizarre little opening scene where uh captain spaulding like kills a couple of guys to try to rob him yeah uh and and that's just the setup for that character um but this is kind of the only one in the trilogy where the protagonists are not the firefly family family it's uh these you know sort of typical slasher movie characters uh 
played by some up-and-comers. There's like two women who I don't think I really know about. But there's Chris Hardwick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who was unrecognizable at first. Where is uh, he in? Well, I he's forget he's like he's a in. comedian now. He's really famous for like hosting a lot of stuff. He hosts like... Uh, Talking Dead, like the at Walking Dead after show and stuff. Oh, like that. okay, okay. Uh, but okay. he's like sort of the main guy who's like obsessed with finding all the haunted house attractions and stuff. Gotcha. And uh, Rain Wilson. Speaking of The Office, yeah, um, that guy. The, he, he, yeah, he, <laughs> it was a great yeah. scene with Spalding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a he. Did, a lot of people you may know him as Rain Wilson from The Office. Right, right, the boy from The Office. <laughs> it's like no. this was a, a little bit before The Office, and he he looks the same. But yeah, there's that little interaction with Spalding where you know Rain Wilson likes science fiction, but then uh, Spalding loves John Wayne. He's oh, got yeah. a tattoo of yeah. John Wayne. He's yeah. got the Duke on his on his uh, forearm or something yeah yeah but this movie's like intercut with all these like i said those weird little things he added in like these grainy 16 millimeter shots of like the characters just talking at the camera mm-hmm. like there's a bit with sherry moon just like you know posing with stuff and like talking about how crazy she is right and, and that right. just happens multiple times throughout <laughs> the movie before you, anything horrific happens and you're like what is this? Like, what am I... It feels wrong. It feels spliced in. It feels like there's something wrong with the movie that you're watching. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, that is effective about it. Um, uh, also, Karen Black, speaking of veteran actors... Right. Is in, this, in this movie, she plays the mother of the Firefly family. Yeah. Um, which, in a way, the Firefly family is just a really, like, jacked up, like, testosterone-induced... A version of like the family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. Know. They all are just, uh, you know, backwoods, uh, just murderers that will, uh, yeah, torture you to death, or just kind of like uh, really mess with you. And it, um, uh, even like where you're going, when you're saying about like the, the cuts and everything. I don't know if it was like Rob Zombie trying to emulate like a lot of like the seventies editing or like early, like the new Hollywood editing. Like you kind of see that in easy rider where it just kind of like, or midnight cowboy where it just will cut to like a different like scene or something or like, it takes you a minute to figure out what's going on. Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of meant to be like psychedelic in that way or like, um, which I, I think maybe Rob Zombie was he said he was like you said he was just trying to piece the movie together frantically trying to like make it somewhat work like right. like because yeah I, I mean I don't know how it was all made and whatnot like in terms of I only just know stuff like that I've read about or heard about um uh it's I cannot be overstated how weird the movie is like yeah. whatever I say about it like somebody will still go into it and still be like what the fuck yeah are they doing like, yeah there's uh there's like a bizarre and i think some of it is he repurposed some deleted scenes so there's some parts where they'll just cut to like some character you've never seen before and you'll never see again right doing something and then he'll put some filter over it and you're like what was that (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you're not going to get an answer that's okay yeah um i do think i mean rob zombie i think has an incredible eye and there are shots in this movie that i wish lasted longer um like there is like before we kind of meet with Dr. Satan. Right, yeah. Who's yeah, an absurd yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, with this underground lair and this messed up face. Um, our main, sort of who becomes the final girl. She runs in this house and it's this gorgeous set and it's really well photographed. 
and it kind of feels like it's you're in a different movie for a second when you run into this you know this sort of mansion that she runs into and right. then and then it's like nope now we're back to the screaming and the shaking and the yeah <laughs> and the filters it really does do that like exactly like you said it goes from like tripod to like this really orchestrated shot yeah. to like shaky cam like you know like <laughs> like you said it's everything in the kitchen sink type yeah of movie. You know, it's like he made his reel in one movie everything for, for I real can do, everything I can do is in this uh, what do you think about because there is a very means it's a very mean-spirited movie altogether i think all these movies are a little mean-spirited oh yeah uh yeah. <laughs> extremely mean-spirited not a little. <laughs> uh, but there's a rescue mission of sorts where one of the girls like her father comes to try to rescue her mm-hmm. uh and then we meet another another actor who kind of became famous later walton goggins is uh right uh one of the cops um and you think the story's gonna go somewhere and they all just get killed Right, uh, but it's played to like very like s- like slow music and it's in slow motion. But then like Karen Black shoots that one cop through the neck, and then Walton Goggins gets executed in like a really. It's such a funny scene because the camera's like craning up, and the music stops, and it takes so long. I think Bill Mosley Otis shoots him, and you're waiting. You're like. When's it gonna happen? And yeah. then, like, by the yeah. time you're like sick of watching the shot, finally he gets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Mosley, we should. I guess we should talk about him. What do you think about his performance in these films? I think he's um, clearly he like. I guess from seeing him in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, uh, like that's probably top. yeah. Uh, he has a similar look with the, in this one, especially. He has like the long stringy hair, right? You know? Yeah, like he, the long stringy hair and like just the over the top kind of like Charles Manson, uh, mm. like just hippie kind of, but also just like like you said, very uh, mean spirited and just a terrible person. Right. Just like right. it's all yeah, like um, like even just when you see him get away with these things, like they do it with so much like glee, like just killing people, like, or just like they love every minute of it and like just torturing (laughs) someone. Like, and I think that's, um, uh, what is so shocking, especially in devil's rejects. Um, uh, and also I guess in three from hell too, like, Mm. It's much more blunt in those movies. Right, exactly. This yeah. one's much more stylized. Yeah, obviously. yeah. Um, he, and he also, in those two movies... And it's still shocking, too. Yeah. Like, but it's more stylized, like you said. Well, like, by the time you get to Devil's Rejects, he is much more of a Manson figure, because they give him that beard, too. Right. And he also yeah. becomes a big pontificator. Like, he's always talking about people, and he has uh, uh, some of the best lines. And I guess, I mean, I guess we can kind of kind of move into talking about Devil's Rejects, which I think is Rob Zombie's masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think if anyone points me, what is the quintessential Rob Zombie movie? It's The Devil's Rejects. I think it's the moment. It's that shining moment in time where all of his sensibilities just came together correctly. Like, it all just clicks into place, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, he, like, he has one of my... I, one thing that I think is lacking in all of these movies is that, like, they could be a little more witty. Rob Zombie doesn't write great dialogue it's usually just characters going fuck you no fuck you like it's just (laughs) that's all it is there's a lot of swearing so anyone who hasn't seen these movies be prepared to see hear a lot of just raw 
a lot of F-bombs being dropped. Uh, yes. Of- <laughs> I, I did write down my favorite line, which is uttered by Bills Mosley in the second one, uh, where he he's pointing a gun at a character, and the guy's about to say something, and he goes, boy, the next word that comes out of your mouth better see, be some brilliant fucking Mark, Mark Twain... Sorry, let me start that over. Boy, the next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chiseled on your tombstone. <laughs> that's, such a, that's a great moment. That almost sounds like a Tarantino line a little bit. Like it's, right. It's very snappy. Yeah. You know? And that's it's moments like that where you like him. Where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he's a fun, he's kind of a fun character. Um, but the best thing about Devil's Rejects is he had so much more Sid Haig. Like, right, yeah. And he's kind of like not as done up in Devil's Rejects either. He's all kind of like his... Uh, his makeup is kind of like like kind of faded, you know. Like yeah. he's not all dressed up in his clown gear, and he's the... like full clown at the beginning. With yeah. a bizarre opening scene where he's having sex with a stripper or, or something. It goes on uncomfortably way too. It goes uncomfortably long. You see his balls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the most important thing. You're like, all right, one's a singer, one's a singer. I, I watched this movie with the commentary uh, by uh, by Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, and Jeremy Zombie. <laughs> And when that scene happens and it pans up and you see the balls, everyone laughs and everyone's like, Sid! <laughs> and he's just like, ah, you know. And that's one of the things, I think, even though this movie's so miserable and dark and dirty, it's kind of clear, and this is also clear if you watch the behind the scenes, there's a great documentary called, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like a two and a half documentary, two and a half hour documentary about the making of Devil's Rejects. It's so clear that everyone had a blast making this movie. Yeah. And you can kind of see it. They're giving so much energy to their performances and really reveling in their characters. And you can tell that they all enjoy each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, from the very opening scene, you know, it's a totally... And the first time I watched this, I watched it back to back with House of a Thousand Corpses. So I watched House of a Thousand Corpses and I hated it. Right. And then I watched Devil's Rejects. And from that opening scene, you got that shootout, um, you know, with the family. And uh, you get this new character, this great new character, the sheriff, who's the brother of the sheriff who dies in the previous one, played by William Forsythe. Uh, and he shows up and there's this shootout and it's very, like, it's all shot on, like, I, I think it's shot on 16. It's very, it's, like, grainy. Um, and uh, the shootout happens. A uh, couple characters die. Uh, and then Otis and, um, what's her name? Sherry Moon's character. Baby. Uh, Baby, yeah. They get away. And then um, the mother, who's now played by Leslie Easterbrook, uh, police academy thing. Uh, she tries to kill herself, but it doesn't work. And then we just cut. To, we go to a film by Rob Zombie, and then we get uh, Midnight Rider by the Allman Brothers Band. Oh yeah, and That's, as the opening credits roll, and that was the moment I was like, oh, like I let out a sigh of relief. I was like, this is a totally different vibe, and I love it. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's even like um, I don't know if it's like the music choice that he does differently in. Mm-hmm. in devil's rejects because it seems like he used a lot of um classic rock and stuff yeah classic rock like it's all just great 70s uh yeah. songs well or... he makes the time and they take place in the 70s too so right he makes that time period feel a lot more lived in yeah actually yeah and that's like like you said is this with this kind of being uh rob zombie's masterpiece it definitely Seems like you exact just to reiterate what you said, it was kind of like everything that came together seemed to like objectively come together really well, yeah. In Devil's Rejects, like kind of 
almost like in the way it's like this uh this uh like depiction of the 70s kind of like the manson mm-hmm. uh family and like serial killers uh mixed in with this love of like westerns and uh yeah, the it's whole, very much a western yeah you get that deep fried southern feel and it's such mm-hmm. a gross all his mood like every like especially this one it's just so gross like in terms of just like the like you said like the muggy heat and like this southern gothic you know feel of it is very um yeah prevalent in it yes and i think with this movie you can kind of tell it's like he's not really setting out to make a sequel to house of a thousand corpses because even though it is technically a sequel you do get you know, obviously william forsyth's storyline is connected to that mm-hmm. and um obviously we're following the same characters it's not set up that you have to watch that movie and it, it, it's very much its own sort of diegesis um and it, it feels more like it's like i wanted to make this kind of western uh horror you know serial killer movie mm-hmm. um and i also love these characters i created in this previous movie so let's just take those characters and give them their own movie right um and I think that's the best choice is that we're not given anybody else to really empathize with. We're just given we have to stay with the Firefly family. They are the main characters of this movie. <laughs> right. You know, we're not this is not seen through anybody else's eyes. We are following them whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, you know, these are terrible, horrible monsters, but you're gonna spend some time with them. <laughs> exactly. And that's even like um I guess we can like even 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 in Later in Devil's Rejects, they talk about how the name Firefly comes from the Marx Brothers. Yes. That comes to yeah. another weird little obsession yeah. that Rob Zombie has. Right. He's always wanted... I don't know if you knew this. He always wanted to make a Karl Marx biopic. Yeah. Uh, did I say Karl Marx? Groucho oh, Marx. Groucho Marx, yeah. <laughs> he always wanted to make a Groucho biopic. <laughs> so he loves the Marx Brothers. Another sort of weird little... like It doesn't quite gel with all these other things that he likes. Right. But he clearly loves it and knows a lot about it. Because you have that hilarious one of the best scenes in the movie <laughs> where it has nothing to do with the movie. It doesn't lead us anywhere, but the William Forsythe's character is like trying to get information on them. And you find out that the whole Firefly family, the family, they're all named after Marx brothers characters. Yeah. And so he brings in a film critic, this pompous <laughs> film critic with this absurd mustache <laughs> who's giving him the whole oral history on Groucho Marx. <laughs> it's, it's easily the best scene in the movie. It really, it's, it's just like every scene is just so over the top and so like, and that seems to be in the spirit of a Marx Brothers movie. Yeah. Cause I like everything in the Marx Brothers, in a Marx Brothers movie is so chaotic. And so, yeah, but it's like, it's done in a really creative way where mm-hmm. it's like, kind of like, um, similar to how Harmony Kareem kind of will do crazy like these kind of crazy movies where it's just so much uh chaos happens in them like spring breakers or like mm. trash humpers or something like that like right it seems to me like he's he captures that chaos that chaos really well and i think that's and harmony is also a really big marx brothers fan and rob zombie is too so it's kind of interesting to see that parallel i guess um between those two like how I guess the Marx Brothers has influenced a lot of filmmakers and how they uh, they um, capture comedy or it's kind of like that chaotic comedy that uh, I guess 
they kind of rob zombie replicates with the firefly yeah. uh family um yeah I'm Mike. And I'm Allison. We've both been guests on We Are Movies before. We love talking movies with Johnny. But I'm a jealous boy. You are. That's why we've decided to talk movies with, with each other. We started our own podcast called You, you Made, made me, me Watch. Each week we make each other watch a movie the other has never seen. You Made Me Watch. New episodes every Friday. I mean, speaking of the chaos, I, I first have to ask you, what do you think, what do you think about Sherry Munzami as an actress? What do you think about her in these movies? Because I know that... Among fans, that tends to be the biggest point of contention. A lot of people don't like that he casts her. They always say, like, oh, I don't like the Rob Zombie cast her in all of his movies. She's a bad actress. He just wants to cast his wife. Right. Like, what's your opinion on that, and how do you think she fits into these movies? Well, I I think she's good in Devil's Rejects. And I think, yeah. obviously, I think, like, I think she's, like... I think she's probably meant for the because it's like I kind of don't know who else would fit those role. Yeah. Whether or not um, she was right for other Rob Zombie movies, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like that's just that's just my opinion. But uh, yeah. I think she does work. It works. She works well in these movies. Yeah, I did. I still don't really like her in House of a Thousand Corpses. Like I do. Yeah, I think she's really points. annoying in that. It's really annoying. But I think in Devil's Rejects, she she's playing it differently, and she's playing her more subtly. And yeah, I actually, I do think she's quite good. Like, I think she. Yeah, she. Baby is a in this one a fun character to watch. Yeah, you know she she is like a, she she has eccentricities that you enjoy. She is like a child, but. In a way that in this movie, I think just it feels less like oh, it's a grown woman doing a, a impression of a child. In right. this one, it's more like oh, she's just kind of like a ditz, but also right. a psychopath. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. like the um, the the chaos and like the like because her character is supposed to be kind of unbearable mm-hmm. and kind of just un- like just. No one is, and that's kind of like, I guess, probably, I'm not sure if it was the same way when the Marx Brothers came out, like, or, like, people just were like, oh, these people are just so too much for me, or, like, they're just way, they're, com- like, for people who don't like the Marx Brothers, maybe they they think that it's just like, or, like, the Three Stooges or something, it's just too over the top, yeah. where, like, I don't know if, like, that's what Rob Zombie's trying to replicate with that, um in kind of doing it in a horror film way where it's almost like comedy, just like the unbearableness of it becomes a horror film. Like yeah. it's just like, you can't stand to be around any of these people any longer. So you just want to like, like kind of like, like Texas, I guess you see that in Texas chainsaw massacre, like at the end where she's in the, uh, in the dinner tied to the dinner table. And it's like, so unbearably, like just, you just, you can just feel the uncomfortability in that scene. And, um uh so like that's the movie makes you uncomfortable right there's yeah. that i mean there's that whole middle section where they're at that hotel and i um baby and otis have taken these random people hostage mm-hmm. uh and uh, what's his name i gosh the guy who was on mr show is in this um <laughs> uh david cross is mr no, show not yeah 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 but it's not david cross it's um Oh man, what's um? I'm gonna find his name real quick. Brian Posen. 
He's okay. like he's he's just part of the band. It's like this fun little they're these cute little kind of old middle aged hippie people, right? And he just he he's kind of a fun little funny character, and he's kind of getting played by baby. She's like trying to seduce him or whatever, and then he just gets shot in the head bluntly. And oh, that's yeah. when you're like, oh, there are, now the bad parts happen. Right, um, right. And this has a mix of stuff I like and stuff I don't like. Like, you do get lines like that Mark Twain line that I really like. Uh, but then, like, you do get that long, like, and this is, I, I know the stuff that he's paying homage to is far worse. Like, I know, I know that Last House on the Left is far worse. And I know that, like, I Spit on Your Grave is far worse. But, like, God, the long scene, especially in the unrated cut, when uh, Otis is sexually assaulting that woman with the gun speaking of scenes that feel like they go on forever mm-hmm. that's a scene where i'm just like just getting sweaty and i'm like oh right. god when is yeah. when is this gonna end you know um and that takes you to like the character of otis i think is the most challenging one because it's like i don't know they're all murderers obviously mm-hmm. and so technically they're all unlikable but otis is one that's like so especially revolting because he's like a he's a rapist he's the very beginning of this movie he's he's uh spooning a dead naked body yeah yeah and that's it's implied that he's like this is what he does with all the dead but like they kill yeah. the first movie they're killing cheerleaders and it's like that's just what he does yeah and so you're kind of like I'm like yeah i don't know for some reason like murder's fun but rape isn't <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it's, like exactly yeah. but um but it is like it is just rob zombie like committing to how atrocious these characters are he's not like i'm gonna soften them for you Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make them more likable in this one in terms of their actions. They're just more likable because of how they're portrayed. And obviously, like that ice cream scene, like the yeah, the tutti fucking yeah. fruity <laughs> scene. <laughs> I do love that. That is a great comedic cut too, where uh, you know, because it starts with like you know, Otis is sort of the straight man, and then Baby and Spalding are just like. I'm like, dude, you fucking ready. They're like, well, we're going to, like, they're trying to get him to stop for ice cream. And then, great. It's such a classic, like, this is Rob Zombie just showing basic, you know, whereas the previous movie is like, you thinking this movie was made by a madman who has no idea of what the visual language of cinema is at all. Right. This right. feels much more like a normal comedic beat because it hard cuts from him going like i don't see any ice cream in your future and then it cuts to the three of them in the car and they're all eating ice cream like <laughs> it's a great moment it is yeah it, it's cute it is it's a, like and that's the thing like you kind of see i guess like you said it's similar to last house on the left how you see um that parallel with right after they uh david hess's character rapes the 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 main girl main girl yeah um, you kind of see, like, throughout the entire movie, like, they're trying to, like, kind of ignore the consequences of their actions. But then, as soon as he's done, and, like, they've killed their... Spoiler alert, I guess. For Hot Lives House in the Yeah. It's like, what, 50-year-old movie is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kind of just feel, like, a sense of remorse. Where you mm-hmm. like, okay, like, these, like... Which is kind of, like, you realize it's, like, people are capable of being this terrible to each other. And, like... um and it's just showing, like, yeah, there, there's this human side to them. Like, they do these terrible things to this family. Um, but they also, you know, somehow have this human, like, like just trying to see how someone could do something so terrible and yeah. uh, still, uh, you know, like, put on, like, pretend everything's okay afterwards. Like, yeah, um, which is, I don't know if it's, like, one of those... What, I'm sorry, I don't mean to babble on. keep going. This is (laughs) a podcast. (laughs) But, um, like, just, like, when you watch, like, watching movies, like, the whole argument of how 
movies depicting violence versus how it's you know real life violence it's like understanding it's a movie that's kind of like the whole point and once you kind of obviously you know the real life thing is is entirely at least for us i think uh whether or not like something is based on a true story it it's uh different i think for some reason what knowing that something real like that actually happened to someone and um which i guess makes it more disturbing if that yeah. that's the case but um uh i guess that's what kind of why horror movies are kind of a you know almost a healthy release yeah, mentally cathartic yeah, yeah. um because uh, it's just uh like this movie doesn't like it it doesn't um the devil's rejects is like no one's a great good character in it like right. or, i mean not they're not like there's no one objectively good or objective like yeah. everyone is you know black and white where it's and it's uh but they're obviously leaned towards more the blackness of the darkness of the right. of like the darkness of humanity and like uh there is a gosh there's a the, the one time I was at uh, Motor City Nightmares, and there was a... Every year for a long time, they always did a Devil's Rejects panel. And that's because a lot of the actors from Devil's Rejects go to horror conventions. <laughs> right, just, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, the one time I was there, William Forsyth and Sid Haig were both there. And uh, I asked them, who's the good guy of the movie? And uh, 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 Forsyth was just like, no fucking good guy. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Sid Haig was like, nope, no good guys. And then... Uh, but then, like, uh, what's uh, then right after that, Forsyth kind of like went back on it. He's just like, uh, he was like, ah, Stephen Rails back. <laughs> he was like one of the supporting cop characters in the movie. Like he's he's such a minor character, but you're like, yeah, I guess he's the only good guy. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just a cop doing his job, trying to catch the serial killers. Like that's it. Because obviously, Forsyth's character, huge part of this movie. Great part of the movie. I think Forsyth mm-hmm. is so good. He's another great example of, like, character actor. Been around for a long time. Worked with so many of the greats. Like, I had forgotten. He's in, he's in Once Upon a Time in America. He's been in a Sergio Leone movie, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and then in this one, just really given so much to do. So much to chew on as this, like, despicable sheriff. Who, in a way, I don't think he ever quite crosses the line into being, like, a, a monster. Because he never hurts any innocent people. Right. But he is a huge dick, and at the end of the movie, he's becoming the monster to the Fireflies. Like, he is, like, where he could just simply get justice, he's going for personal revenge, and that's ultimately, like, his downfall. Right. Um, but I... It is, like, yeah, I mean, in the logic of the movie, like, in the logic of the movie, I can understand how he's kind of the villain, but then you back up and you're like, well, if you look at everything they're doing, he's still nowhere near as bad as the, <laughs> the Firefly family. Exactly. No, that's exactly, like, you're, exactly how I feel about it too is you kind of see everyone's doing like he's doing things that are just as bad as what what the Firefly family is doing to innocent families mm-hmm. and um, and it's kind of one of those things where you personally I you you kind of want like you i liked like it's kind of like i like seeing them get tortured cuz they are just terrible people yeah like they're also li- li- kind of cathartic yeah, yeah like yeah like and i like i wanted to see them do more to them like yeah. i want like like cuz like 
let's face it, they do terrible things. Like they, like they're like whatever, I guess like it's, I guess, I don't know if like you're not supposed to be playing God or whatever, or like, right. cause it's like, he's enacting justice. He's vigilante justice. Cause he, like you said, he's, uh, doing, getting revenge because they killed his brother. Yeah. And, um, but then, uh, you see that just that everyone is just terrible to each other. And, um, so you kind of just figure, you know, like what, what comes out of this other than just a bloody mess of, uh, it takes me back to like as far as, far as this kind of being like a neo western, uh, William Forsythe's kind of like John Wayne from The Searchers, right? Like he is like that. Like it takes a barbarian to stop to go against other mm-hmm. barbarians. Mm-hmm. Like it takes somebody whose society has deemed a monster to even be comparable to be able to fight other monsters, right? And, uh, yeah, and it's an extreme example of that. But like that is kind of what he is. Uh, Nobody else could possibly go up against him. He can't be friendly old. I guess another maybe likable character, uh, friendly old PJ Souls right. <laughs> character. Another example of kind of an old convention actor showing up in the movie. Uh, she's just got a son, little innocent lady. Somebody like that's not going to stop them, you know? Don't you like clowns? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't we make you laugh? <laughs> that's a great scene. Also, a scene where you kind of see a bit of mercy from because like he doesn't kill her or yeah. the kid. <laughs> So he's like, just having fun. He just knows having... his limits a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, also the kid actor does is is pretty bad in that scene. To be honest, yeah, he's, not yeah. Right. <laughs> he's like almost trying not to laugh in that scene, but it's, that's okay. <laughs> it's funny. It's a yeah, it's apparently like... Sid Haig once did make him cry eventually. Really? That scene. Yeah. <laughs> but then also the behind the scenes, you do see them goofing around and having fun, and you know. Uh, but yeah, there's like uh, he also you get a bit of his bit from. House without corpses, where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does that, like, <laughs> what is he? <laughs> you know, and, and that's uh, I, Sid Haig. When I saw him in person, and uh, there's something I think I've seen him regularly say about Rob Zombie is that Rob Zombie is the kind of guy who just lets actors act. He just lets them go, mm-hmm. and so you do get a lot of stuff that obviously these actors seem to have come up with in the movie, like riffing and improvising and and just kind of adding little things to their characters that they like to do uh and like he's a hundred percent an actor's director in that way whereas maybe he doesn't always get great performances mm-hmm. but i think the reason people like them this love to come back to him is because he gives them so much to work with and he just lets them roam free right you know right. like the, uh Mary Warnoff also shows up in this movie early on. She's the nurse that they stab in the back. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, from the Warhol films. Another uh, B-movie. Or I guess, you know, like, cult film actor that yeah. sh- uh, makes an appearance in Yeah, in also in a, in a, from a Christmas horror movie that I enjoy called uh, uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That's right. That's uh, a... She's in that movie. But, um, yeah, I uh, we also would be remiss if we didn't talk about Ken Forey. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, Dawn of the Dead uh, actor, Dawn uh, of the Dead from Beyond. Yes, great horror actor before this, and uh, basically plays the Lando Calrissian of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I didn't realize that like connection till uh, like someone pointed it out. Like, yeah, that's a it's a strange uh, like <laughs> <yeah>. connection. <laughs> He's like old friends with Spalding, and he kind of helps the 
the Firefly family like hide out with them, but then he betrays them because he has to, but then mm-hmm. tries to save, then saves them in the end too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 100% Lionel Calrissian. <laughs> um, uh, but he's so great. Ken Forey is like effortlessly charismatic. Right. Just he's the kind of guy where you're like, how did he get mixed up with these people? Because he's kind of cool. <laughs> Right, he's like a yeah. chill guy. He's not really a murderer either, even like up to that point. He, <laughs> you don't think he is, at least. He's a pimp or like a brothel owner. Yeah, he's a brothel owner. There's that what, what's her name, E.G. Daly. Yeah, or also known or formerly known as Elizabeth Daly and voice Tommy Pickles. Voice Tommy Pickles. From Rugrats. <laughs> she has that part where she does like an impression of like a a Saigon prostitute and does like an Asian accent. Do you remember that? I think she, there's a lot of things in the, in Devil's Rejects where it's like she, uh, that just, there's just so much like outlandish things being said in the the whole movie. You're just like, yeah. Okay. You're like, okay. I guess this is what we're saying. Like Forey, Ken Forey. And then also his right hand man is played by, um, the great Michael Berryman. That's right. uh, Hills 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 Eyes. Yeah. And they have some of the most, they have some scenes that I would, consider akin to like a tarantino-esque scene right it's like we're just gonna spend time with these guys for a little bit and see them bicker yeah uh and there's that great scene where they're buying chickens <laughs> yeah <laughs> just legitimately I, I laugh yeah i laugh really hard at that scene just, such a bizarre like just a, like just interaction between three yeah. guys three or no just, reason for that scene to be in the movie whatsoever <laughs> but a man selling them chickens is like yeah you could have sex with this chicken just cut off its head but and uh it's the rob zombie version of a tarantino scene because it's so appalling what they're talking about they're talking about the most disgusting thing ever right but yeah. it's so funny the way that he's like a, he suggests this and it just offends them right like for he's just like what you, you think i can't like yeah he's <laughs> like oh, why don't i want to have sex with the chicken and then, like and then michael Behrman's getting kind of upset about it like it's uh great scene beautiful just well when i talk about this thing rob zombie's masterpiece i'm talking about scenes like that that's the that belongs in the afi uh mm. Of all of yeah. great scenes, he's years Marlon Brando. Lives. He's like, I could have had class. I could have been a contestant. It's right up there with those. <laughs> <It's right. yeah. laughs> like, I knew it was you, Fredo. <laughs> you broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right up with yeah, the Godfather. That is what what secures this movie uh, and the ranks of great great films. Um, I, uh, but yeah, the, I, I just I did want also. In regards to the soundtrack, it's where the soundtrack, I think it does juxtaposition really well in terms of like, there's that scene when they're just cruising in the car and it's the Firefly family, but we're listening to like, I fooled around and fell in love, you know, like, like soothing, like cool rock there's when they're partying with Ken Forey, they're singing to Rocky Mountain Way. Oh yeah. You know, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. Yeah. That is like, that definitely like, it kind of reminds me of like. Days and Confused and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, how it's like it has like this such a strong soundtrack. Yeah, like it really does. Like it de- like legitimately does have a great soundtrack. Like up to I think Days and Confused yeah. standards, like in terms of seventies rock and whatnot. Like, and I cannot say like overstate that because obviously this was a fairly big budget movie. Yeah, you know, like obviously they spent the money on all on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that this was a mainstream summer release. Yeah. <laughs> when it came out. That blows my mind. Yeah. Like, like no conventional movie stars. Not a single one. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all, you know, the biggest actors in this movie are kind of 
quote unquote has-beens or washed like character actors from from the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and besides that it's like there's nothing about it that's appealing to mass audiences right yeah it's just the balls that they had to release this movie the way they did would never happen today there's no way this movie would come out today well even like my dad i saw it before me so i know i realized you asked me this question how I even begin, first saw House of a Thousand Corpses, I didn't even answer it. But I, I saw it on On Demand. Mm. So I would just wait till my parents left, went out to go somewhere. I'd just watch it yeah. on Comcast or something. Nice. Because House of a Thousand Corpses was on there. And I, uh, that makes that connection. But um, I saw The Devil's Rejects at Blockbuster and I said, I guess my dad had seen it. I'm like, can, like, can I see that movie? He's like, no. <laughs> like, because, like, um, like, I mean, like, I could watch some horror movies, but I could, like, if my dad said, like, yeah, no, you're not watching that movie, like, it's like, okay, maybe there's something in there that's probably, like, a little much for me to watch, and yeah. understandably, it's a pretty uh, hard R movie, or, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, or, like, um, I think it was NC, or had to be, R. yeah, but, or, like, it was originally NC-17, but yes. had to be re-edited a time. They had time, edited but, it down. And that, uh, yeah. one th- note about the violence in this movie, I do think it's different from, like, Tarantino violence, where Tarantino right. violence is unabashedly fun. Right. Like, the J- Kill Bill, Django Unchained, it's fun, you're having a good time. Yeah. The, the violence in this movie is unflinching. Like, it is, it comes back to being blunt. Like, it is just yeah. kind of, the movie yeah. does have, almost like what we say about S. Craig Zoller in this way, that it's kind of like... I'm not saying I like this or don't. This is just what it is. Exactly. This is what you're yeah. seeing. You're spending time with these characters. You might like them. You might not. Right. Exactly. This is the movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I do. Um, yeah. Like I appreciate that. Where it's like it's still not this movie the most. Like it's not really telling you to feel one way or the other about the characters. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're. I hope you have fun because <laughs> you're watching it. Um, I do want to. <laughs> I do want to read before we get into uh, Three from Hell. Yeah. I wanted to read, I forgot to read some of the uh, letterbox reviews for House of a Thousand Corpses. I looked up half star reviews. Let's see it. Let's see. Horrible movie. I can't believe this is even a thing. This is crazy. Would not recommend, guys. Um, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> another one, half star. I hope Rob Zombie dies very soon. <laughs> um <laughs> Personal vendetta against Yeah. <laughs> um, Sherry Moon can live. <laughs> Sherry Moon can live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is one for the Devil's Rejects. Half star. Straight up unwatchable. The film felt like a horror porno. Horrendous dialogue. Hilariously bad acting and I had to turn it off. Gave it as big of a chance as I could. Uh, another one. Okay, Rob Zombie, you're really mean-spirited. We get it. Anything else? No? Okay. Sherry Moon Zombie plays a deranged psychopath in this. In Rob Zombie's Halloween, she plays Michael's loving mother. She plays these two characters exactly the same. I'm never, I've never questioned why I'm still watching something this many times before, but for some reason I watched this whole thing, so I guess it's not the worst thing I've seen. Feels like this was made for my alcoholic uncle. Don't get me wrong, he's a cool guy, and from what I've heard and seen, so is Rob Zombie. But he wouldn't know substance if it hit his head with it like a ton of bricks. <laughs> There's a whole scene in this with characters talking about fucking a headless chicken. That's it. Yes, all That's facts. the review. That's the, the, I, this is it. This is the review. <laughs> I do think Rob Zombie seems like a cool guy. The, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, every, uh, everything, say what you will about him, and I think he seems self-aware enough like judging from interviews that i think he knows like 
when his movies do work and when they don't work. Yeah, and he doesn't take himself too seriously. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I I think that's part of, you know, no movie's perfect. And even, like, if you put all these movies on a pedestal, it's like, you know, you're always going to find some flaw in them. And it's, like, kind of... Sure, you can maybe find more flaws in his movies or something, or, like, but movies are hard to make, and it's just... I think he does genuinely... I like to think he genuinely tries to make the best movie he can, but yeah. um, it just seems like movie making is a pretty difficult business to get into. And Yes. Um. <laughs> well, and uh, I mean, that kind of brings me to, what do you think about sort of the biggest criticism that tends to get thrown around? Well, not the biggest, but one of his criticisms is like, uh, people say like, well, the movies that inspired Rob Zombie, the, the movies that inspired him were movies that were made that way out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, those grindhouse exploitation movies were made because that was the market they had to corner with the budget they had, you know, <laughs> and and they looked that way, they looked that cheap, grimy way because that's what they were working with. Right. All of those movies, they kind of beautifully came into like we love the look of film grain, we love that grimy feel and stuff like that. But a lot of that happened by accident, mm-hmm. out of necessity, and out of the resources they had. Rob Zombie at this point in his career was a famous rock star mm-hmm. with. Uh, a lot of resources at his disposal. Mm-hmm. And so something about it, it's like some say it's never going to quite meet the stuff that inspires him because at the end of the day, he's replicating something as opposed to trying to make the best thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're getting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I see what I, I see what you're saying. It's, Almost like that same argument with Tarantino, maybe. Or it's like, similar with Tarantino. Yeah. People do love you that towards him for sure. Um, I mean, I don't mind. Like, I, I still watch the movie. I'm like, I enjoy the movie. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do understand that, where it's like, it's never going to quite have that same charm because everything in this movie is intentional, you know? Right. You're never going to have yeah. that accidental charm of something like, I drink your blood, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and that, that, yeah, that I, I definitely feel like it's, um, it's, that's a hard balance to, like, whether or not some, like you said, like, how much money someone has or like the how difficult it was to make some get something made it's like i guess at the end of the day he made he made what he made a movie we can nitpick the hell out of it and yeah um but you know i guess um it's it's his it's his vision so that's yeah no it's certainly his vision and then i do want to read a couple of the things that people said at the time the devil's rejects came out um where roger ebert liked the movie yeah, which is yeah, surprising yeah. when you see how much he hated eighty slasher movies. Yeah, he thought those were the devil. Like he yeah. was like, these are deplorable. This is like the these the. It wasn't just that they're bad; they are morally reprehensible. Was mm-hmm. what he would say. But he looks at this and he goes, "There's actually some good writing and acting going on here. If you can step <laughs> back from the violent material enough to see it." Um, later, when he was reviewing the. Uh, uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake, he said, I received some pal- appalled feedback when I praised Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects, but I admired two things about it. I de- the, One, the desire to entertain and not merely to sicken, and two, it's depraved killers or individuals with personalities, histories, and motives. Um, also, uh, Stephen King uh, praised the movie. Uh, he ranked it as his ninth best film of 2005, and he said... Uh, no redeeming social merit. Perfect 70s, C-grade picture, cheesy glow. This must be what Quentin Tarantino meant when he did those silly Kill Bill pictures. Oh, Steven. <laughs> oh, man. You're, you're Shots taking, fired. Shots fired towards Q, our buddy Q. <laughs> Friend of the podcast, Q. <laughs> 
we, we should all get all three all four of them uh, yeah god uh god rest his soul roger ebert but, yes god rest his soul uh, <laughs> i do think you know coming back just briefly to rob zombie and seeing interviews with him he is he's an eloquent kind of soft-spoken guy mm-hmm. you know I've, I've, we've seen him on like either ross history of horror um he's on, he's been on podcasts like he was on joe rogan and pete holmes you know and stuff like that and right he's, he's a He's a cool guy. He's laid back and he knows what he's talking about. And I think if you watch some of Rob Zombie, you actually start to like his movies more. Because you understand a bit more of what he's doing here. Um, that being said, so there, it's interesting that so many people were clamoring for a third Firefly movie. Mm-hmm. When The Devil's Rejects is about the most conclusive of anything as they could possibly get. <laughs> like, yeah. There's nothing left open. Uh, the one other surviving character, because... Leslie Easterbrook gets stabbed in the gut by uh, William Forsythe. Uh, Tiny, who's this large character played by, um, what's his name? Matthew McGrory. Yeah. Um, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Passed yeah. away shortly after this movie came out. Um, he dies saving them. He like go intentionally goes into a burning building mm-hmm. and dies. Uh, Forsythe dies. Uh, and so, Confori dies. They're all dead. Uh, and then we get the Firefly family driving off in their... Uh, you know, convertible, and probably the most famous scene in the movie, the Freebird scene. Right. Where you hear almost the entirety of Freebird. <laughs> yeah. It's such a long scene. Uh, but it is like a binding Clyde. They're going out guns a-blazing, and the cops just riddle them with bullets. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, and it's it's satisfying. It's like, look, the characters get to go out with a blaze of glory. They are these complicated characters we had a fun time with, but also they deserve this. Right. Yeah, <laughs> also, no, like 100% do deserve it. This like, is the proper way really to set do. Them up. <laughs> Exactly. Like, there's no, nothing, like, nothing, like, I'm not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's nothing that can, like, <laughs> like, that allows them to get away with what they did unless, like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <it's, laughs> and so I love there's a an interview with uh, Bill Mosley and Sid Haig saying they're like, at conventions, people would always come up to us and they'd say, when are you guys doing another Devil's Rejects? And we'd say, we're not. And they both knew us and go, because we're fucking dead. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're as dead as you could possibly be at the end of a movie. Yeah. Nevertheless. <laughs> Yeah. Rob Zombie eventually folds and he makes three from hell. Many <laughs> years later, many the the definition of a long gap sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, and I think this is kind of a testament to how Rob Zombie Z- Rob Zombie doesn't have his mass market anymore. You could not Rob Zombie can't really get a movie wide released anymore. I mean, the movie he did before Three from Hell was thirty one, and that movie was kind of like a limited release, um, mm-hmm. and then. I don't know how you saw Three from Hell. I saw it at like the fandom events. Yeah, screen. I saw it. I saw, how you saw it too. Event. Yeah. Yeah. So like it wasn't even like a mainstream multiplex release. It was like an event, you know, like a limited run. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the, and then obviously the monsters straight to Netflix. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> the backlash towards that was, yeah. was something else. <laughs> the backlash to the trailer for that. <laughs> just yeah. the trailer comes out and <laughs> boy, did people have something to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <People> have <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do the, the monsters another day. But, um, but uh, yeah, Free From Hell, a movie that I will entirely say did not need to be made. After seeing it, I still don't really think it needed to be made. Uh, I do think it has its value, but what do you think? What do you think of it? I I mean, I like... Exactly like you said, Devil's Rejects ends as conclusive as you can. Like, yeah. there's no way... Unless, like, divine intervention of some sort. Yeah, like, he... Like, um, 
they they're saved by God or because somehow like there's a there's this belief that maybe they can uh, convert to Christianity or something <laughs> or like uh, that was actually when I heard the title yeah. I was actually excited because I thought because obviously House of Thousand Corpses <clears throat> Devil's Rejects are such different movies I yeah. thought he was going to go in a totally different direction for the third movie yeah. where from the title it sounds like it's literally going to be about them in hell. And I was like, that sounds cool. Let's do that. Let's see them in hell. Trying to fight their... It's like what like what those old Bruce Blitation movies, like Bruce Lee fights back from the grave, you know? That sounds great. But it, it, you watch it, it's just Devil's Rejects 2, basically. Right. Which is yeah. bizarre. Like, you try to do something different and make it a cohesive trilogy where they all kind of are different, but instead it's got... You got Devil's Rejects... Or you got House of Thousand Corpses and then Devil's Rejects and then Devil's Rejects 2, basically. Yeah. You know? And, and it's... And that's what kind of worsens it, I think, is that it's just like the whole movie. I'm just kind of going, Devil's Rejects is better. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's yeah. No, like I, I like exactly like I think um, with that the three from hell, like uh, because uh, like as you because you've met Sid Haig. Yeah, I, I met uh, Sid Haig and Bill Mosley. Yeah, I met them both at a convent. I guess technically I met William Forsyth at that panel mm-hmm. too, but. Sid Haig, lovely guy. Everyone who's ever been to a convention, for the longest time, he was the number one guy you could see at almost any convention. Uh, he would take a picture with you for free. Mm-hmm. Um, he would give autographs for like 10 bucks. You know, just like, clearly just loved the fans and loved the attention to his dying day. Mm-hmm. And even in his dying day, he was, you could tell he was knocking on death's door, right? Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a really, a frail guy, but still, it didn't need to do this, you mm-hmm. know, at that point in his life, but clearly loved it. Um, and then I actually remember meeting Bill Mosley shortly before this movie came out and I asked him like, oh, how was filming Three From Hell? And he was like, oh, it was good, man. At one point Rob looked at me and he said, I think this might just be my masterpiece. And I'm like, seeing the movie, I don't agree with that, Satan, <laughs> but it's nice that he thought that. <laughs> yeah. It, I think, I guess to finally answer your question, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think it's it's a like it seems like he's trying to do i don't know like kind of the same thing like and and that's fine like um but like i guess i'm like you said i don't know if like the sequel needed to ha- three from hell needed to happen right unless like there's this theory that like like you we what we were talking about is uh like it's like their dying moment, like or t- the taxi driver ending, where it's like yeah. this, this is, is what we- what could have been, or something like that, right. or like because there's no way, there's no way, like that, like right. realistically, anyone survives. Well, yeah, they were <laughs> like, supposedly rushed to the hospital. Yeah, like, in, what, in what in what world would they, <laughs> they want to rush? Like, what human being with? Yeah, <laughs> after riddling this family, this murderous family with bullets, they're like, all right, guys, quickly, let's try to save them. I'm not sure if the Pope would be like, you know, maybe we can we can take our time getting them to the the, i'm just joking (laughs) well and when you say it's more of the same it just kind of comes back to them like well rob what was the purpose besides just making another movie for the sake of the fans there's nothing Mm. about because there's also nothing about this movie that's really it could have been like an origin story kind of like how pearl maybe like yeah it could have been anything and it feels it's just kind of another devil's rejects and not only that not nearly as conclusive as devil's rejects because Devil's yeah. Rejects has that glorious ending where they all die, and then this movie they just kind of walk off, and it's just like, eh. Yeah. There'll be more adventures with the fireflies. And that's yeah. like, and if that's how it is, it's like it's fine, but like, it, like it's it it's a good movie. Like it's not like I don't like I don't have anything 
do I think it's his masterpiece? I I right. don't I don't think it's his masterpiece, but um, I do think it's kind of like maybe he perfects some of the issues they maybe had with House of a Thousand Corpses in this, sure. and like uh, it's kind of you know it's its own it's just its own movie and like uh, with Sid Haig passing away. Yeah. Uh, um, he, he was the, the interesting thing here is the whole script was written for Captain Spaulding to be a major character throughout all the way through right. the whole movie. Yeah. And it wasn't that Sid, Sid Haig actually passed away about a week after the movie came out. So he was still alive throughout the whole production, but basically it was like, I think days away from production and he called up Rob Zombie and was like, I can't do all this. And so instead we get one scene with Sid Haig at the beginning. Which is a nice little scene. You know, you get a little performance from him, like talking to an interviewer. He's mm-hmm. clearly frail. He's clearly not the guy he once was. But he's doing his best with it. And he's... I, I like seeing Captain Spaulding again. But then it also begs the question, like, story-wise, there's no reason to bring back Captain Spaulding. Because right after that, his character is executed by the law. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of like, yeah. all right. Yeah. Wh- why? <laughs> and then yeah. I, I remember I was at that Fathom, Fathom event screening. I don't know if like if this happened to you, but I was clearly with people that were like fans. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, people went, "What?" <laughs> they were so mad. It was like God, it was like yeah. when Luke Skywalker threw the uh, uh, the lightsaber over his shoulder. People were like raging. How could you do this? How could you kill Captain Spaulding off screen? Harrison Ford is killed in or uh, in uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for these people, this was their Force Awakens. Yeah, you know? it's a Chewbacca um, going. Rrr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the flip side of that, you do get a great introduction, a reintroduction to Baby when she's in prison and they're walking around her cell and the song Wild One is playing. Oh yeah, it's in slow motion and people were like trying to cheer in the crowd. <laughs> and then there's a good reintroduction, like, "Hey, here's this character, you know, here's and she is a wild one." <laughs> yeah, that is, that is. It fits the the song fits the names. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing. It being a lower budgeted movie, I think it was shot on fil- on digital too, and uh-huh. you know he couldn't afford to shoot it on film like he did Devil's Rejects. Um, uh, but also like couldn't afford as good of a soundtrack. Like there are a couple music needle drops, but right. clearly right, could right. not get everything he got for Devil's yeah. Rejects. Uh, but I, I agree with you. It's like there's stuff I like for sure. Um, you know, I. I the, it is called Three from Hell, so they add a third character that we've never heard of before, played by Richard Brake. Mm-hmm. And we're both Richard Brake fans. Yeah. He's, he's a good actor. He, and he, Mandy and uh, yeah. uh, new, recently Barbarian. Recently Barbarian. Yeah. Uh, uh, recently The Monsters as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, how can I forget? How can yeah. I? <laughs> well, he's a guy, I think he first shows up in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And he, because uh-huh. he's one of the necrophiliac uh oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. drivers of the the, uh, <laughs> the ambulance but he's he totally fits into rob zombie's his whole vibe his whole diegesis and he has become one of his part of his company of actors and he totally fits he fits this movie he feels like he belongs mm-hmm. um he's a good character you know there's just one part where like bill mosley just is beating a person to death and it just slowly zooms in on Richard Brake just smiling. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> that. Yeah, like, for some reason, that just clicks with us. Like, I don't know, like, like anyone yeah. else who watches it wouldn't get that. But, like, yeah. I don't know. We just like that kind of stuff. Like, it's like, <laughs> uh, I, it's just it's just our dark humor. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Like, what, can, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, speaking of small character actors that show up, you do get, uh, you get uh, Austin Stoker shows up as a news reporter in one scene. He's the star of a, 
uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. You get one scene with Richard Reilly as a, as oh, a, yeah. <laughs> a sheriff, which uh, previous guest on this podcast, friend of the podcast, Richard Reilly. Shout out to Richard Reilly. Shout out to Richard. Uh, I'm was sorry. Kind enough. I, I interviewed him <laughs> on here a little while back. Uh, he had also previously appeared in Halloween 2 and apparently just gotten a call from Rob Zombie saying like, man, I saw this sheriff on TV and he looked just like you, so I need you to play sheriff in this movie. <laughs> uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's good. Uh, one of the bizarre <laughs> benefits of casting in the movie is one of the, is this awful prison guard who hates Baby, uh, who's played by D. Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> the mom from E.T. <laughs> Like, made a career on playing nice moms in the 80s. Like, E.T. and Cujo and uh, the Critters. Yeah. And now yeah. she's just this foul-mouthed, like, <laughs> like prison guard. She's weird. This... And she's an elderly woman. Yeah. <laughs> Why is she a prison guard? <laughs> and she's got, like, this, like, weird, like, I guess, attraction towards Baby. Or it's, like, implied that she may be lesbian Into... or something. Yeah. Or, like, or he's, like, she's, like... Oh, why don't I get alone in a in a right. in a prison cell with you, hon? You're gonna be regret, regretting the day. Well, that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the things that I like about her character. She's kind of written like a male character, yeah, like the yeah, sort yeah. of predatory, like right. like hates baby but kind of wants to have sex with her. Yeah, a lot of other male characters are like that in all these movies. Yeah, um, but then she's just an old lady, right? Who's right. the same way? It's like which is interesting. Man, like, there's no other movie quite like you can't like. That's one thing. You, there's no other movie quite like a Rob Zombie movie no, in that no, regard. No. Like uh, another actor from his 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 uh, company who had previously been in Thirty One and was most recently seen as the star of the Munsters, Jeff Daniel Phillips. Uh, he's in the movie too. He's the warden. Uh, oh yes, that's right. Who, uh, that's right. Another example of Rob Zombie's dialogue being kind of lacking. <laughs> when uh, Bill Mosley kills him, he's just like, "Remember when you said." This is my death factory, and you're my product. Well, this is my death factory, and you're my product. And then he like shoots him in the head, and you're kind of like, "All right." Like my last thought, my last thoughts, if he killed me, would be like, "That's your line." <laughs> that's how I want to go out. That's, that's how I want. I want to go out confused. <laughs> This is just, like really? Is that the one you're going with? All right, that's that's hilarious. That's well, it also goes. We forgot. I guess there is a plot to this movie, and that's that we forgot to mention. Danny Trejo is in the Devil's Rejects. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, right. He's he's a sort of a henchman, and he's one of the few surviving characters in that movie <laughs> uh, who briefly shows up in this film. It turns he's on the same like prison bus as uh, as uh, Bill Mosley, Otis. <laughs> Uh, and then he gets executed on what appears to be TV. Yeah. Because on TV, they're showing the footage of Otis escaping. But you see him just blow Danny Trejo's brains out. And you're like, they showed that on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Rob Zombie's world. They right. Did. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the movie kind of stumbles into its uh, conclusion that takes place in Mexico during the Day of the Dead celebration. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Danny Trejo's brother or father or whatever is like trying to get revenge yeah he's like this killer luchador gangster or yeah. like with machetes or something they all have like and that's interesting that's a yeah. fun change of pace exactly yeah, yeah like that's like that everything like while it may not be his masterpiece uh it's still a fun movie like yeah. it's still there's yeah. just the it's like if you're a fan of horror then like i don't see how, you not having a good time watching yeah. this movie. at least if you're like, a fan of rob zombie and right stuff. yeah it's yeah, kind yeah. of more of the same Right, yeah, that that's that's true. Yeah. You could, if there's one criticism that that's definitely a accurate. Yeah, um, 
But speaking of references, there was a moment rewatching it. I noticed at the very end when they put Danny Trejo's dad in this, uh, they put him in a coffin to burn him alive, and he a hundred percent looks like Coffin Joe. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Like I don't oh, yeah. notice his outfit and everything. It a hundred percent looks like a, and obviously a Mexican. Oh, character. You, uh, you mean El Santo or the Co- Coffin Joe? Because um, El Santo, I know Rob Zombie's a big fan of. Oh, he's a fan of the one. Well, yeah, obviously those references are in here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, uh, and he's also a huge fan of Coffin Joe. Yeah, but like even yeah, I guess probably both of them. Like, yeah, because even like just his like, outfit at the end looks a lot like Coffin Joe when he's right. laying in the coffin. Especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, which we watched true. that movie together, the first Coffin Joe film. That's uh, right. That's right. Um, but yeah, just kind of a, it is weird where it's like in this movie though, and I feel like it's him kind of responding to the fans who loved that first movie. Obviously, he teases it, too, where there's this sort of Manson family-esque fandom for these characters within the movie. Uh-huh. Um, which they don't play in too much. I feel like they could have done more with that. Mm-hmm. Like, what if there were people who were fans of them who tried to, like, help them out, you know? <laughs> like, that'd be interesting. That'd be kind of a cool way to go. But instead, they're, like, still on the run. Um, but <laughs> the way that in this movie he seems more, like... Like, we both said, the ending of Devil's Rejects is satisfying because we're like, at the end of the day, they needed to die. Right. Yeah, and this yeah, movie yeah. kind of yeah. loves them a bit too much. Yeah. Like, There's, like, a part where they're walking into a bar in slow motion <laughs> yeah. and they're just, like, badass. Yeah, like, 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 they're terrible people, but, like, I see yeah. Rob Zombie loves them, but, I mean, yeah, sorry, I, I don't I've kind of no, said the same thing again. So, but, yeah, no, it comes back like, to the, so it's it's another that thing where it's just kind of like okay, but they needed to die. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the, you know, and but, maybe that's us judging because it's like uh, that's maybe that's what I'm, Rob being too, I'm being too judgmental of these psychopaths. Yeah, so, okay, <laughs> we're being we're being too harsh on, <laughs> on these. Yeah, these, okay, we need to be a little bit nicer. To, <laughs> we need to be a people little, make mistakes. <laughs> it's a whole misunderstanding. Yeah, <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoy the movie. It doesn't. I don't know. I don't feel it's... For me, it's like The Devil's Rejects is great. It's like I don't need anything else after that. I don't need this movie. Right. But as right, far right. as a movie that just kind of feels like outtakes from the previous one, you're like, nah, there's some good stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah I like no, the part where I, she... Yeah. Uh, baby's dressed in the cop uniform and she chases that one naked oh, yeah, woman the naked through woman. the neighborhood in slow motion. Yeah. And like yeah. stabs her in front of some lady just standing out her, sitting out on her lawn watching. Right. It's kind of... There's a bit of that Rob Zombie black humor there. and Yeah. You know, the mean spiritedness coming out there's uh, certainly yeah um so that's why it's good not to take his movies too seriously like in the same way probably like pink flamingos or something like like you know what i mean like yeah. or like john waters movie yeah um well and if you watch anything rob zombie you're like you know he doesn't actually feel like he's not a he doesn't feel this way about humanity right he's, yeah yeah know? yeah, he, yeah. He's, just, he's taking it on, on a ride and obviously referencing a ton of stuff that he loves it's yeah yeah, um, yeah what do you think is next for him now seeing the most recent pivot he did with the monsters and that movie that was another movie that was like a passion project that obviously his budgets are dwindling and dwindling and he's working with even less each time like well, where do you see him going after this what would i like to see him do what or i like, guess what would you like to see him do or what do you think is even in his future like um that's a good question i uh we should say that the monsters i think we both had some affection for it but also borderline unwatchable for a normal person probably or just like probably yeah you can't imagine like if this was meant for kids i mean oh, maybe gosh. Like, cause I mean, to be fair, I liked House of a Thousand Corpses and that also, like when I was like, I still, it's, it's a, not a perfect movie, but I still liked it from a horror film 
like as a young horror film fan. Yeah. Like that like I enjoyed it even though like it was fun to watch because yeah. I just it's so hectic and crazy but also much more colorful than these other movies too. Yeah. The ones especially heavy on the the gel lighting and stuff. Yeah. So um yeah, no I think for his next movie, I don't um maybe something like a, a like a crime movie maybe like cuz yeah. I know he says he's been uh, really into like the seventies crime movies, like like Dirty Harry or like Don Siegel movies, yeah. like like um, that would be kind of like maybe like a homage to like a cop, like a like a I don't know, like French Connection maybe or like yeah or, yeah. I don't I'd know. love to see him try that. I'd love to see him try new stuff. Yeah, know? I'd love to see him do that Groucho Marx biopic. Like right, yeah. You know, I, cool. I I think what was disappointing about me when I first saw his Halloween movie was like I was like. I was excited to see him kind of play in something different. You know, mm-hmm. Halloween is this very, like, calculated, like, tense, you know, uh, thriller that's not necessarily about the kills. It's mm-hmm. about, like, the tension of the atmosphere. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, he just made a Rob Zombie movie. Right. Like, for yeah. some reason, suburban Illinois is full of rednecks. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like, you know, I know, obviously, those movies have their value. And I know there are people who love them. But, like, um, I think the Munsters despite the fact that I'm sure plenty of people hated it, mm-hmm. shows that he's capable of fully committing to something completely different. Mm-hmm. And like you, yeah, I'd love to see him... Yeah, if he did a crime movie, if he did like a Dirty Harry movie, you know, I'd love to see him try to... I love his company of actors, you know, but I... It, a lot of them are dying off. Unfortunately, we've lost Sid Haig. Yeah, uh, and some some others. Piece, sir. Yeah. Uh, he's still got Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm <laughs> he's still McDowell. got a couple of these other guys that he can... Still You've also with. had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, had the pleasure of meeting Knock McDowell, wonderful man. Yeah, I did a lot of my uh, my convention run one summer. <laughs> Lost all my money. <laughs> I, w- I want to go. That would be. I have we'll not yet year. been to a convention yet. Yeah, let's um, go next year. Maybe we, maybe we'll meet Bill. That sounds Bill. like a good plan. That I also want to like say good. Sherry Moon Zombie also seems like a lovely person. I, I remember she does. when she this does movie like premiered, there was like a red carpet interview with Rob and Sherry. And they both, uh, like, the interview came up to him and was like, hi, and she, like, said her name. And then Sherry goes, like, hi, I'm Sherry. And you're like, they know you're Sherry. But she's still so, like, friendly. And she's, like, still introduces herself. And then also, uh, Rob and Sherry went to the House of Thousand Corpses uh, uh, haunted house together. And there's a bit where uh, Sherry is, like, sees the girl playing baby. And they're both, like, going, like, ah, at each other. Like, they're both, like, kind of playing <laughs> off each other. And it's cute. It's fun. That is cute. Yeah, I, I remember... I actually watched that video this morning to prepare for this Oh, interview. really? So... Yeah. How, uh, how did you draw it? I did, yeah. It was it, exactly like you said. I was like, it's a very sweet moment. To, it'd be yeah. fun to be the person play, playing baby and then seeing the actual person who yeah. played that. Magic. Idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I doing it right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do recommend the Devil's Rejects documentary too because you see so much, It's there's so much fly-in-the-wall footage mm-hmm. and you also really get to see everybody having fun. Even like the people who die, like the small characters, like, right. you know, there's that part where Otis like beats them to death uh, and he has that whole, another Manson reference that, uh, you know, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. Uh, mm-hmm. But those people, they're all having a blast. Like, you know, it seems like everyone had a good time. And I think that helps when you watch the movies, too. Definitely. Um, I found a couple... I pulled two half-star reviews for Three From Hell. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like this less than Halloween 2. Feels like the script was written in 10 hours with an 8-ball of cocaine, a liter of La Prima, and a case of Pacifico, <laughs> while more while people in the background screamed one more for Sid. Should have left at Devil's Rejects. Uh, next one. Half-star. 
What can I say other than the fact that Rob Zombie continues to fart out films? Picking up where the Devil's Reject left us and should have stayed there. We watched this as a serial, cam fa serial killer family somehow gained sympathy and support from the general public. Some crappy dialogue... Somebody wasn't up to date with the Manson family. Some crappy dialogue, a few predictable story arcs, and what do you get? Some more horrible acting from his wife and another fart to, track, to tack on the wall. Uh... Don't get me wrong, every now and then he farts out a truffle, but at this point he should hang the horrible hat he brought at, at a flea market up and stick to doing more original pieces. He can do better, and you can as well if you're looking for something to watch on movie night. This guy's really obsessed with the whole fart analogy. But, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't go that far, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd say... I don't know. At the end of the day, if you haven't seen these movies... Yeah, I say give absolutely. them a shot. Yeah, there's no, something to like in all of them. Yeah, you know, definitely. Def yeah, not for everyone. That's not for, for sure. <laughs> definitely not. Sure. My last girlfriend, I used to show her so much stuff I liked, and I was like, if I show her Devil's Rejects, she might actually leave me. I was like, she might never talk. She might be like, why do you like this? You know, too. You're, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm yeah, sure yeah. Meg would probably not go. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. And it's a. Uh, I think yeah. It's, and that's okay. It's uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, and it's a. Uh, it's all. It's all just a. Uh, it's um. It's a hard uh, uh, balance to find uh, movies Certainly. where uh, significant others like the same thing. So <laughs> right. it's a. Uh, it's um. Yeah. So it, it's all. It's all good. It's yeah. all good. It's all good. <laughs> and, um, well, I appreciate you doing this with me. Is there anything else you want to say about these movies before we uh, sign off? Um, uh, I think I we we've, we've said well everything we we can say and uh, if if not thank you for doing this podcast with me johnny of it's all, and for putting all the effort into it and um <laughs> it's it, it's i had a lot of fun doing this so thank you for uh being the host of we are movies of and, course uh, uh I'll putting yourself out there till the end of time <laughs> everybody that wraps up yet another episode of we are movies thank you so much for listening thank you to austin for coming on as usual i love doing this love talking about these movies and i love talking to austin all the time uh you can follow him on instagram at austin dorit art and uh keep up with his artwork uh especially he's a really great artist and um also uh if you haven't yet you can follow the podcast on instagram and twitter at we are movies pod you can uh, like the facebook page we are movies you can follow me on instagram twitter and uh well actually no not on twitter uh that's private <laughs> you can follow me on instagram and tiktok at johnny mockney comedy if you want see the comedy updates uh and also if you haven't yet you can uh uh, oh yeah, follow me on Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney. That's it. Um, that's all I have for you today. I'll be back with you very soon uh, with the very final spooky episode of We Are Movies.